Welcome to Journey to Motherhood, the podcast that has conversations with women who yearn for parenthood and are contemplating or are going through or have gone through so-called unconventional or unspoken of experiences to get there. My desire is that this becomes one of those helpful resources and that the stories of the people who participate will help anyone listening to realize that they are not alone. Welcome everyone. Today is particularly special or intimidating because I'm on the other side of uh, the mic. I've got my friend Brenda here with me. We're going to be sharing my story. She will keep me honest. She will guide the conversation and she'll hold the space, you know, for me to share my story uh, and for me to to share with you why I'm doing this. So welcome, Brenda. Thank you. And, you know, thank you for trusting me to do this with you. You know, it's such an important part of the life that you've lived and the actions that you're taking now, especially for women that are also going to be going through what you've gone through. So I'm actually really honored to be able to talk to you about your journey as you share it with the world and the women across South Africa and hopefully internationally. Wow. <laughs> are you ready to start? Yes. Okay. So journey to motherhood. Mm. What motivated you to start this podcast? I think it's the misconceptions mm-hmm. um, about being a mother and what we were told growing up, you know, so growing up, we, I mean, almost all of us got these lectures from our aunties and our mothers about, oh, you know, you'll fall pregnant. You know, there were all these things in our early teens where if you literally even look at a boy, you'll fall pregnant. <laughs> and there was this massive assumption that we will all go down the same road, two and a half kids, picket fence, husband, and all of this was very normal and natural. And what I found as I became an adult and as I went through my own life journey was that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as easy as meet person X, you know, fall in love with them and fall pregnant. That's not what happened. And going through that journey, I kept looking around me to say, but surely I'm not the only one who's going, going through, this. through this. Surely I'm not the only one. And, and certainly, you know, I'd go to the fertility clinics and the room would be full Brenda, it really? would be full. And yet when you leave, it's almost like silence. On no one own. talks about this. Yeah. No one talks about, you know, the, the yearning to be a mother and the fact that sometimes it doesn't happen in what we assume is the most natural way yeah. possible. And the anguish that comes when you realize that it's not going to happen naturally. Yes. I mean, isn't it amazing that for the first part of our lives, all we are taught is not to get pregnant. Yeah. Until you really want (laughs) Want to, to and then you realize, I can't get pregnant. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, and it's such a betrayal, hey, because Mm. you just assume when I do want to, it will happen. Mm. And and for someone who, you know, you you know me, I'm a bit of a go-getter, you know, my life is fairly planned out. Yes, overachieving. Overachieving. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, you get to that stage and you're like, wait, hang on. This is one piece of life that I have no control over. Yes. And so this is a way of maybe finding that there is a level of control. There's access to different and alternative routes. Mm. But also, even if you end up having children normally, the stories are not necessarily the same. Yes. 
they're not as linear as we were taught, you know. And and so we've got to share these stories and normalize the fact that it's not, there is no one way to become a mother. And every story is valuable in its own way and has and deserves to be heard. Exactly, exactly. And so... I know you've got a whole range of amazing women that you're going to be speaking to. Mm. Can you give us a sense of some of the situations that these women have been in and some of the the journeys they have taken to motherhood? So a combination. So um, some like me who went the fertility clinic route and had assisted reproduction and various assisted reproduction techniques I'm also uh, hoping to talk to women who have adopted mm-hmm. and the journey that they went through in terms of adoption. I am hoping to bring um, some women whom I know have gone through the painful pathway of miscarriage yeah. um, and the pain of almost second child syndrome. So wanting another child and struggling to have another child. Yeah. And having society say to you, but you, you you've already okay, got you've one. got one. And you know, <laughs> I know so, about that. You know, yeah, exactly. So yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping to bring you back in <laughs> and have this reverse tell story. But, yeah. but I'll tell the story of, you know, it's it's not as though there is a limit to this yearning and, and who should put the cap, yeah. you know. So 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 different stories. And, and I think they are very interesting stories and valuable. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't wait to hear all the stories. You know, because I know that the journeys, like you said, are very lonely. And I'm hoping that with this podcast, you'll be able to just break that wide open so that many people can know that they are really not on their own. Mm. I mean, between that two week period, you know, when you're trying to conceive and you're Mm. waiting for the time that you can test. And I mean, that's you're just caught up in your head a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So maybe when they hear some of these stories that these women have gone through, they can find the courage to openly share about their journeys within their own circles when they realize that it's not taboo to not be able to conceive naturally. So your own journey, when did it kick off where you're like, okay, I am going to have children and this is how I'm going to do it. So I think it's twofold. So um, I went through um, a fairly bad breakup. I thought I was going to get married and that didn't end up happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you think you're going to get married, you just now assume, okay, now I'm back on the path of normality. Yes. Now I'm back on the path where we're going to get married. Maybe we'll spend the first year, just the two of us, but mm-hmm. then we'll start having kids, right? And when we broke off the engagement, it was, it, it, it destroyed me. It, it, yeah. it, it broke me. But then I took a step back and I said, look, what are the things that I would would look back on in life and and wish I'd done yeah you know and didn't um and there were a few things um but in the top 3 on that list was I knew I wanted to be a mother yeah I'd always wanted to be a mother and so I thought okay you know I'd still want to be a mother regardless what, regardless mm-hmm. so what does that mean and so I started having the conversation with my family and my uncle, who is a pastor, was like, well, if you want to have a child, have a child. You know, liberal and, and, and pastor. They're very liberal <laughs> pastor because, you know, if I, if I rewind a few years before that, I had been sitting in a church that was very family-oriented. 
and actually been part of um, leading a life group for older adults uh, or older single <laughs> adults. You remember that? I remember that you, very well. <laughs> yeah. Older single adults in the church. And, and one of the conversations we'd had was around, you know, um, what if you're single and still and want, want to have children? Yeah. Mm. And there was this whole thing about being called to singleness and, you know, so almost. <laughs> Which absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I got to a point where I felt, you know, in the church, if I'd arrived pregnant uh, and no one knew who the father was, it would they'd have been more accepting. Well, than, that was me, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> you know, people embrace, I mean, we had baby showers yes. for you. Yeah. Whereas if I started the subject of actually, guys, I want to intentionally fall pregnant alone it was very taboo yes and to have my uncle say to me if you want to have your child have your child mm. no no conditions no but do it like this no judgment no this is a yearning you have you're a child of god and go and have your child he, he didn't ask me he didn't say to me you know that's <laughs> but amazing only. um and so i've been very lucky to come from a, a, a fairly open-minded family yeah. um and that helped you know, my mom and I spent two weeks together. This was one of the other things that was on my bucket list that said, you know, I want to take my mother to Europe. We went into this two weeks in Europe together and we talked about this, yeah. you know, so what would it entail? What are the options? She's like, okay, if you want to ask your ex, maybe ask him, mm. you know, do you have another person in your life you could maybe wow, ask? She went, she went <laughs> Just, that deep. No, we, we, yeah, you, you, <laughs> I can, I can see your mom doing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My mother was a very open-minded person yes. to the point where I would be uncomfortable with the conversation <laughs> because I'd be thinking, you know what, I, I just want to check that you're comfortable. And, and, you know, in all of this, she kept saying to me, well, she's there. She, she is going to co-parent with me. Mm. She is going to be part of this journey with me. Mm. And children's lives are full regardless. Yeah. We're the ones who limit those child, our children's lives. We're that the ones who so say, true. oh, but you should have had. Yeah. When our children's lives are complete. I mean, Brenda, we can go off on a whole <laughs> tangent on this. I think I think I, I think talk about this podcast all, that we need to start. <laughs> that I talk about all the time. So, yeah. had this conversation. I did have someone in my life at the time. Mm. It wasn't serious. Um, I, I didn't. And if they hear this, and you know, I I apologize in advance, but I didn't like them enough to want to go down a life journey with them to have a child. No, that makes total sense because so, it's a yeah. lifelong commitment. It's a lifelong commitment. So, mm. so separating the fact that actually, you know, we're having this thing and seeing it for what it was, that it was a moment in time, a little fling for want of a better word, and actually saying, look, I actually want to have a child separately from this. Look, we, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so many segues. <laughs> so many segues. So um, and so I started exploring options. Mm -hmm. Um my ex and I did have a conversation. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote to him and I said, look, I'd really like to have a child. I know we'd spoken about this at length. Would you be open to going down this journey with me? Mm -hmm. And he thought about it and he came back and he said, yeah, no, I would. But, you know, once we have a child, then we have to involve families. And I thought, no, 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 no. I'm not trying to be a de facto Makoti. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying yeah. to open up other avenues. Yeah. What I want is motherhood. I'm not trying to say, let's get back together. And so, you know, I thought, okay, let me freeze my eggs because I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Can I ask now, mm. was the information readily available no. on the options that you had? No. The, the furthest I got at that point was either I find a live donor okay. or I freeze my eggs. 
That's right? it. Yeah. So that that's where I got to. Okay. So I found myself um, sitting at a fertility clinic um, with a very very open doctor. I mean, he was. He was this old man and he was so grandfatherly. Um, (laughs) And I said to him, look, I'd like to freeze my eggs. And he explained to me the process and the tests they needed to do beforehand. And he wanted to understand why I wanted to do this. And and so he started giving me some information. But he said, no, you know what? Let's do all the tests. Come back and see me. All right. Did the tests, went back to meet with him. And he said, look, mm, for your age, you don't have as many eggs as you should. Wow. Okay. And what he then said was, look, and we can freeze your eggs. But when we freeze your eggs, what you need to realize is it forces you down the IVF route. So whenever you want to have a child, just be prepared that you've got to go through IVF IVF route. Okay. Because that's the only way we get them back. Okay. It limits your other options. Yes. And and he said, look, I think you're young enough. I was 35 at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think we got enough eggs to try artificial insemination. Now, right. I had never really thought of these as options, so I needed time to think about it. Mm-hmm. But those people who know me know that I, I tend to process stuff, and then I'm like, you know what? Let's, let's, <laughs> let's on, onwards and upwards, let's, yeah. let's go ahead. For those that might not be aware of the terms, what's, like, quite briefly, the difference between IVF and artificial insemination? So... Artificial insemination effectively is very limited assistance. Uh, so it's donor sperm mm-hmm. injected into your vagina. Yeah. And we pray that you get pregnant. Okay. Yeah, there's some hormones involved, but not as much. Mm-hmm. With IVF, it's actually quite scientific. So yeah. they actually extract the eggs, they try and actually. I think um, impregnate them uh, separately, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going to get a doctor separately to come yeah. and talk about it. But okay, with great. IVF, it's it's a lot more involved. All right, it's also a lot more expensive. And is there a higher chance of? And there is a higher success. chance of success. Okay, so IVF has a higher chance of success. Artificial insemination um, mimics normal conception. Okay. Got yeah. you. All right. And what he said to me is, well, I'll give it six months. If you don't fall pregnant within six months, then, you know, let's try IVF. But for now, let's try artificial insemination. I think that was the first time in my life that I had someone explain to me all the different options. Yes. So you, you kind of know about them. You've read about yeah. them. You've, but but not, 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 not in depth. Not right? in depth. They're yes. not in a, in a practical, how, what does this mean for me yes. kind of way. And so we decided to do artificial insemination. He said to me, look, these are potential sperm banks that you can go to. Um, go look for a donor and come back. Okay. <laughs> now know? let's talk about that process. <laughs> <laughs> Finding a donor. Yeah. So, I mean, so that was interesting. So it was fun, actually, um, um, in retrospect. Going through the catalog. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I, I went to one of the local sperm donor agencies and uh, they had a catalog. How many are there in Johannesburg? I didn't even know that there were firm the banks littered across. No, so there are, there are. Um, at the time, he recommended one particular one to okay. me. I think what started happening is a lot of the fertility clinics are now doing a lot of it in-house as well. Okay. And so I went to meet with the people at this particular sperm bank. And, and one of the things that struck me in the whole process, Brenda, was how kind of just 
everyone was like, this is normal where it's a day in the life of, you know, wow. no one was, this wasn't unusual. Yeah, really. It like, was, it, it was just the most normal thing for me to be sitting at this table and this guy shares information and he says, look, if you go on our website, you'll see different profiles, go and look at them, come back, let's have a conversation if you want, if you've got questions, this is what we do. That confuses me because it's still something that's not spoken about it's widely. Not. It's not. So it's one of those things that you don't know about until, until you're you know. going through, yeah. through it, right? And you yeah. know. So it's just one of those things. And so I started going through these profiles, but they were very limited. So it would be, you know, um, a kind of brief description of person, their likes, dislikes, height, you know, okay. weight kind of thing. And I was like, I, I want more information. Yeah, because I mean, I want a section that says, Potential throwback genes. <laughs> exactly right. You want to what know what could come up. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so I was like, you know what? I want to know a bit more. You know, um, and so I started researching uh, different agencies. Actually, these guys guided me to a few agencies, okay. international agencies, and I ended up using a US-based agency. What I really liked was that there was so much information. So for my donor, I got a voice note, oh, uh, really? an essay. You know, the, the nurses and the people around say, who know what sort of sense they got around him, oh, what the person. the person looks like. So you get to feel like you know the person. Like you know the okay. person. I like um, that. You know, quite a detailed questionnaire that they, they completed. Um, and obviously the, the fam family history, mm -hmm. uh, medical history. Yes. And, and I remember the one evening sitting with my sister and we're like, okay, what are we looking for here? <laughs> And I, at the time, was very fixated by, I'm a numbers person. So I was like, okay, yes. I can handle anything, but a child who can't do maths is going to be a problem. <laughs> I mean, in retrospect, that was so, so, so fickle. So, I mean, so, so fickle. For someone who was going through this hardcore journey, I was, I was just like, you know, so my, my criteria, starting criteria was I wanted either black or mixed race. Mm -hmm. I wanted someone 1.8 meters tall. Taller or, than you. Yeah, because I was like, you know what? What sort <laughs> of easy? <laughs> yeah, what sort of people am I attracted to in general? Yes, <laughs> but also if I have a son, what are the yeah, things that <laughs> this is? What this will is he so, inherit? This is so politically incorrect. <laughs> it's so wrong, right? <laughs> but but those are the things I looked at. I mean, to be honest, you know, I think people tend to look at this and make it more serious than it is. Yeah. It really was that. I mean, mm. I'd already come this far. We were going to do this. Yeah. So, but if you think about it, it when you meet someone that you're attracted to, if you're going to naturally conceive, you do look at those attributes. Yeah. You know, are they tall? Are they smart? Are they funny? Are yes. they, you know, so yeah. are you attracted to them? So it's still the same criteria, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. So, yeah, so chose a donor. Um, because it was imported, the, 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 the donor sperm was a bit expensive. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a chance. It was import sperm. It was import sperm. So, 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 so my kids are imported. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so I got enough for three attempts. Okay. <laughs> yeah, in retrospect, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking of anyway. So we did the first attempt. And that didn't take. And how was that for you? You know, I mean, it was because when after they inseminated me and, and this is psychological, you know, it was clearly psychosomatic and what mm. I really felt pregnant. I was yeah. like, I think I'm pregnant. You know, I think I'm even feeling like throwing up. And you, your body then <laughs> reacts to that and yeah. It says, yeah, you, yeah are. you are. You so are. you get all the symptoms. Exactly. So those two weeks, I've, I've never known a longer two week period. Yeah. Than between those inseminations and, and trying to and waiting, yeah, that right? trying to conceive two week period, that two week it's period hell. Is, is really really terrible. 
I think for me, part of it was just disappointment in mm. science. So I, I just, I knew it wasn't 100% um, guaranteed, but I also just assumed that, you know... You can trust science. So where my body science. fails me, science will science step will in step and in. assist. And so that was something I had to get past. But, you know, I kind of just decided, you know what, I'm not going to try and grieve or not getting pregnant. Let's try again. Okay. Because yeah, I've now going. decided we're in this, and I'm in this, and I'm now like working backwards. Because I'm like, okay, if my child is born in this month, and I work backwards, it means I need to fall pregnant now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, <laughs> you're is, a planner. It is the way. My, it is the way I think, and it's actually. I mean, did you have a spreadsheet? I, 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 I did. I did, did. I had. Yeah. I had a spreadsheet. You know. So, although having kids has taught me that I can't plan everything in life, yeah. so I was one of the very fortunate people that you know. So my second attempt. I felt pregnant. Fantastic. I felt pregnant. It was exciting. I remember the day I got inseminated uh, for my second attempt. I had a CNBC interview and I remember going home and I was wearing a formal tailored shirt and like, and lying on the grass and just saying, okay, I think I might have made a baby on my own. You know, and just mind blowing, (laughs) mind blowing, right? It was kind of like, wow. But also then thinking, I'm on my own. I made a baby on my own. I'm on my own, yeah. The intonation changes when yeah, it's panic. Right? Yeah, right? <laughs> I was so fortunate. I had mm. a great support system. You know, my friends, yeah. my family. And I loved being pregnant. I loved those first few weeks and just feeling like, you know, I've got this secret. I remember my sense of smell was heightened. Mm. It was awful. <laughs> I felt like there was a cow living in my living room because my like, leather couch smells, smells so bad no pregnancy is the best and worst time isn't it mm, it was awful had you been on hormones before in the insemination <laughs> not much so they gave me some pills to take but it wasn't the hectic you okay. know injections and there was an injection to take at a particular point in time before the insemination okay. i think just to make it you know to to make your your eggs more mm. more viable more viable yes. but it wasn't you know artificial insemination to be honest is probably the least invasive okay. of the assisted reproduction techniques right so you didn't have like a roller coaster of emotions because of Mm-mm. additional hormones no, in your first trimester no not as not as many as pe- i hear people have yeah. um i was really very very lucky and then about uh, month 5 of being pregnant my mother passed away. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that was tough. It was really tough. Also because she was going to co-parent with yes. me. She was going to be there. She was going to be there, right? She was going to be there. And so I remember mourning my best friend, my mother, my, you know, but at the same time being scared because I was like, no, I might lose the baby because everyone kept thinking, oh, you might lose the baby. Because of the trauma. Yeah. the trauma. Um. And that was tough. That was really tough, you know, and, and, and trying to wrap my head around the fact that, you know, so this child will come, but mom's not there. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I think the whole month before I gave birth, I I cried. Mm. I used to cry. Um, I'd get home and it just felt empty. And I didn't live with my mother. I last lived with my mother <laughs> yes, when I was like 18 ago. or 19. Yeah. But but she was such a big character. She was like such she, a yeah. big part of my life. Yeah. Um, but 
I think having having my first made me almost feel like she and I, I she'd come back. Yes. I don't I don't know. It was like having a piece of her, and I'm glad that she she was part of the journey. journey. Absolutely, yeah, I'm glad that she was part of the journey. And yeah, so I had my first child. I still had one more vial. I used to say to everyone, I want two children. Yes. No one believed me. No <laughs> one believed me. Everyone thought I was absolutely crazy. crazy. Yeah. And so second time around, I didn't tell too many people mm. beyond the fact that I had said, guys, I want to have, a second, have a second child, child and I want them to be close in uh, age. And I went and I had my second child. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> and everyone was shocked. Yeah, because you had two under two at some point. <laughs> exactly, I had two. So my my my, yeah. my family had been supportive, right? And they were still supportive, yeah. but it was like again. But, but now you've had the child, right? So why are you going to have another one? We're doing this again. <laughs> We're doing it again. My sister was petrified because she's like, okay, if something happens to you, I now What's have to look after these kids. children. <laughs> So, not selfish at all. <laughs> no, no. Well, then they have each other, right? Absolutely. So they have each other. Yeah. But one thing that really struck me, I suppose, you know, about the whole journey was mm. you go through so many of uh, these tests as you're going through this process. You know, you, you typically have to be at the fertility clinic like at six in the morning. And like I said, I'd, I'd be in the room and I'd look around and there were so many people, so many people. Mm. And yet I was... There were very few forums, very few other people that I yes. could talk to about this. And then people started being kind of, um, people started coming to talk to me. Mm. People were recommended by friends yeah. or people who assumed I'd gone down this journey because I didn't talk about it for a long yeah. time. I had a bit of shame. Yes, because I actually want to talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. So before we, before we get to that, I want to ask you what other than the passing away of your mom, what are the other challenges that you faced during this, this, this journey that you hadn't anticipated? It's expensive. Mm. It's expensive. So you, you have to prepare for it. Yeah. You know, and it also means that it's out of the reach of many people who might need to go down this journey. But and medical aid doesn't cover it. Medical aid all. doesn't cover it. Mm. And so, you know, if I look at even the cost of just the consultations, it's yeah. a few thousand rand each time you go, um, the blood tests, the actual procedure. Yeah. And if they find that you have to do something more advanced like IVF, it's even more expensive. Yeah. The donor sperm, mm. you know, and particularly for me because, yeah. like I said, imported babies, um, it, it's, it all adds up. Mm. And that's before you even have had the child. And that's, and before, that's already expensive. Exactly, exactly. So that was the one. I, I think for me, the other was getting comfortable with the identity of being a single mother by choice. Mm. You know, so people automatically assumed there must be a father yeah. in the background. There must be someone yeah. in the background. And and for the longest time, I just pretended there was. Yeah. For the longest time, I just pretended there was because it was easier and it was more acceptable. And I had to stop and ask myself, so do I want my children to be ashamed of how I brought them in? Yeah. And and that was something I started really battling with when I was pregnant. And particularly as I was bringing a second child into, yeah. into this world, it was, okay, so what am I doing? 
you know, yeah. this social experiment. What am I doing? Um, and is it fair? Is it based on ego? Is it fair on yes. the children? Yeah. But I was one of the fortunate ones in the sense that I had, my health was good. Mm. Uh, I put on a ton of weight, which was horrible, but we'll have, a, I mean, <laughs> we need to have Everybody honest conversations <laughs> about pregnancy, guys. It, it's, it takes a beating to your body. It, your body is really not your own. Yeah. Um, and I think just doing that on a day-to-day and feeling like I have to do it, I'm doing it alone. Yeah. Um, because in as much as you have a support system, they're not there when you wake up and when you fall asleep. Yeah. That's, that's, mm. those, those, were the, the moments. those were the moments when yeah. I'd second guess my decision. Yeah. yeah. And what would you say are the lessons that you learned about yourself through this journey? I'm stubborn. <laughs> well, we've always known that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stubborn. I'm headstrong. Yeah. So let me use that term. I'm headstrong. Yeah. I'm one of those people who's comfortable with, uh, taking a level of risk and not necessarily following the road less traveled. Unbeaten path. The, yeah. That's where you yeah, are. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm really comfortable with that. Mm. It, it, like I said, it took me a while to get to a stage where I was like, okay, um, let me share my journey. Yes. Um, but I was comfortable. I got to a stage internally where I was comfortable with the journey. And then it was, okay, but what is how do I communicate this to people? Yeah. You know, do I, do I communicate it? Do I just leave it? Do I wait for it? them to ask? Do I wait for them to need ask? to know the situation? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm a very, I don't, I don't follow the norm. I'm comfortable. Yeah. And I think that's what's so great. And, and why is that you are the perfect person to have this podcast? Because I mean, you did it. Dan is now six, six. Mm. Yeah. Six years ago. In fact, mm. seven years ago, mm. you thought to yourself, you know what, screw it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it by myself. Mm. And I'm going to do it in a way that many people might not understand, mm. but this is what I want for myself. Yeah. And, and you just did it. Yeah. Right. Where other people are still umming and ahhing about whether to adopt and all the other things, because they're still worried about society and what society will think about their decision. Mm. And and so I'm hoping that through this resource, you will just give women just a little bit of courage to do what what works for them, yeah. to realize they have the agency to make decisions for themselves that will create a legacy. That's very forward, true. That's you know? very true. And and so now you know I introduce myself as a single mother by choice. Yeah. And then I, I see, you know, you watch Everyone's people's like, eyes and then it's mean? like, what, what does that mean? What does that yeah. actually mean? And I, I remember being at a work retreat and, and, and saying this and saying, so I'm a single mother by choice. Yeah. And one of the guys came to me afterwards and so he's like, so, so, so what, <laughs> how does it work? You know, so, me. <laughs> exactly. And, and I find, especially with men, I have one of two reactions, either absolute understanding yeah. or disdain. Yeah, it's almost like, but what, are you saying you didn't need us? Yeah, yeah. You that know, comes into play. Exactly. I mean, I had to go through my own journey of how to to narrate these decisions I made mm. and, and how to overcome the stigma that comes with them and, and the assumptions, you know, and then get to the, so what? You know, so some of those assumptions, oh, maybe you can't get married. Yeah, maybe I can't. So what? So what? You know, oh, so are you gay? Maybe I am. Maybe so it what? Matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's immaterial. It's, it's immaterial, mm. actually. So I got to the stage where it was like, okay, yeah, I'm actually comfortable with the fact that I started a family. Yeah, on my own. On my own. Yeah, and you're doing it. And I'm doing it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I want to deprive my children. 
I just separated the issue of love and mm. the biology of having wow. children. That's a big one because I can tell you for a fact that there's a, a huge percentage of women that will not have children unless they have a partner. Yes. And unfortunately, the biological clock doesn't wait for love. It doesn't. By the time you find love, you know, you won't have any more options. Yep. And we, you know, I think our parents, I don't know whether to say they were lucky, but most of them got married in their early 20s. Very young. I mean, if I look around at the women we know, mm. you know, probably a third are married. Yeah. And the rest are not. And yeah. we're in our 40s now. So, Because what's know? happened is society has evolved socially. So mm. we're getting married later. We are putting our careers first. Exactly. But our bodies haven't evolved at the same pace. They haven't. Yeah. So they they're still working on the old clock. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it's that's where the heartbreak comes yeah. in. Yeah. And this is part of why I'm also doing this, because as a resource, I wanted to just be an awakening for yeah. women to say, let's also take control of this. Yeah. You know, if we can, mm. let's take control of this. Mm. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to go and, you know, start a family by your, uh, you know, on your own. But it could just be, OK, so maybe let me explore. Let me have the necessary tests done regularly. Yeah. yeah. You to know, make an informed decision. To make an informed decision, because... In as much as you may go for your pap smear every year, you're not getting your egg count tested yeah. every year. Yeah. Actually, most women never get their egg count well, tested. To be fair, I'm 44 and you know that I'm trying to conceive. And only this year am I thinking, maybe I should have had an egg count. Yeah. You know, otherwise I'm just wasting time on this journey. But again, the lack of information is yeah. also quite a big thing. Yeah. Do you think that you were at an advantage when you started this journey? I was. Based on other women that also faced the yeah. same issues. I was. I was twofold. Um, one, because I have a relatively open-minded family. Yeah. Um, and, um, and the mother I had, you know, um, who held my hand and just kind of said, Okay, we're doing this. We'll co-parent. Okay, let's just jump. Are oh, yeah. you jumping off a cliff? Okay, <laughs> hold my hand. You. We're doing it together, right? Yeah. Um, so I was very fortunate that I had a, a very open-minded family. I don't remember once anyone saying to me, oh, this is taboo, this is not, you know, and, and you know, kind of the traditional talk about yes. how do we know where this bloodline, the bloodline. Yes. And I, I never, I don't remember once having that conversation ever. If anything, it was just... Okay, CJ, you're doing this. Okay, fine. Mm. Let's do it. Okay, we're there for you. All right, it's okay. So, is it sore? I remember that was the one question <laughs> I got at some point. Is it sore? Is it going to be painful? And I was yeah. going to say, well, if we really <laughs> must compare <laughs> levels of pain, then, then I'll take this one. Thank I'll take you. this one, right? Because <laughs> um, that bloodlines conversation yeah. is one that stops a lot of people from adopting. Mm. Mm. Very true. Mm. Um, and I, I, I was fortunate I, yeah. I didn't have that. The other advantage I must say I had, and I have to acknowledge this, was that financially I could yeah, do this. you were able to do it. Financially I could do this. It was not a cheap journey. Mm. And I had some savings set aside for it. Yeah. But I certainly ended up spending a lot more than those savings. And you anticipated. Yes, yeah. because there's no information booklet that gives you an idea of, of how much to Price have range. set yep. aside, mm. right? And And this is something that we really need to be thinking about to say, 
So how do we make sure that women are economically empowered yes. be able to do this? Mm. But also how do we raise awareness with the likes of the medical aids that actually, guys, this, this is something you've elective. got to fund. Yes. You know, I don't choose yeah. to not be able to have children. Yeah. It's not a boob job. It's not a boob yeah. job. And, and even then maybe we'll... Yeah, maybe they could help a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a conversation. We'll have set up a separate podcast on that. But, For but boob jobs and lipo. And lipo, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But But... Honestly, it's 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 in most cases, it's biological. Yeah. Um. And I do think that there has to be a form of funding some way mm. that that yeah. supports Agreed. women and men mm. who want to go down this journey yeah. and who can't afford it. Yeah. No, that is. I totally agree. I think the the medical aids could come to the party a little bit mm. because the fact that um, IVF and artificial insemination are seen as something that's only available to a certain class mm. and a certain, and I hate to say it, but a certain demographic of society mm. is because of the cost, yeah. right? So a woman that's in Soshanguve or, you know, even four ways, like I'm sure they're just thinking, yeah. well, I'm battling to pay school fees for the uh, one child I do have. Yeah. I can't afford 120000 for one round of IVF, exactly. especially if it doesn't take. Yep. So it really does disadvantage a lot, a lot of, of families. A lot of families. Yeah. A lot of families. So um, there's a whole online world when you start digging that talks about trying to conceive. You know, these women are in it. They're checking their temperatures. They are counting days post-ovulation, days pre-ovulation. And, you know, and they're sharing all these things. Why is it that those conversations don't come out into the real world? Why are we still so hesitant to talk about it? amongst ourselves to our families. I think you were lucky, like you said, that mm. your family is quite open-minded. And I can understand that might be one reason why people don't want to talk about it. But amongst ourselves and our peers, I mean, even as friends, like we, we, don't, we don't sit and say, I'm battling to have a child until mm. something triggers something and then we open up. Mm. What would you say is the reason for that? One of the consistent themes that I found was this issue of almost feeling less than, mm. you know. So as a woman, this is what I'm. my body is made for. I should be able to have children. When I decide to have children, yeah. it should be something that happens naturally. And and so with a lot of women, it was the feeling of, but I have failed. I failed. I have mm. failed in being a woman. I have failed those around me. And it, it's a really tough process. Mm. Um, I think with with someone I spoke to said to me, you need to allow me to grieve. Grieve the fact that my body my doesn't work me down. the way it should or the way I thought it should. And grieve the fact that I, I, I need to go down this path wow. in order to. Um, and that was profound. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, if, if I compare my story with some of the other ones that I've, I've come across, mine was, was fairly relaxed. Yeah. I think um, it is a heart-wrenching process. And women have been going through, some women have been going for years trying to, yeah. to conceive. And can we also touch on how society makes it the woman's problem? And when they fail, in, and I put that in inverted commas, mm -hmm. to conceive, and then all of a sudden the man wants to find another option yeah. without even thinking that they might be the problem. Yes. And other women would be like, well, you know, maybe get your young sister into yeah. <laughs> to to the process. Exactly. So there's no support there either for this woman. So 
it just becomes this lonely journey of disappointment and feeling like a failure. Yep. And I think there has to be conversations around that because that's not something that a woman can control. Yeah. I mean, I think the issue of fertility has been feminized. Yeah. So it's become a feminine problem. problem. Mm. When actually if you speak with fertility doctors, it's also a very much a male, male problem. problem. But but the challenge is that men associate virility with fertility. Yes. If I come out yeah. and say I've got a problem with making my woman fall pregnant, mm. it's like, oh, Yes, you it's know, now linked to, to your ability your to perform, yes. your sex drive, mm. etc. And that's not the case. Yeah. So so I do hope, and, and maybe I'll do it if I find enough men willing, <laughs> to, open willing up, to open yeah. up, but I do think there is a conversation that needs to be had with the men. And if you think traditionally, I, I don't recall a, a situation where anyone ever said, this person talking to my male relatives, yeah. this male relative can't have a child. Um, it's always the assumption that actually it's it the is woman. the woman. Yeah. And we all know the stories of women who end up going to have affairs. Yeah, just and to have the child. Just to have a child and pretend that <laughs> it, is the, it is the husband's Just child. to appease. Just to appease, yeah. yeah. And I think that's a, that's a massive challenge that yes. we've got in society. Yeah. yeah, I think those are conversations that definitely need to be had. And so now knowing what you know, um, in your 40s mm. and realizing, like we said, that we've evolved as society. We're mm. pushing back a lot of things later and later in life. What advice would you give to younger women that are still in that period where they have the luxury of trying not to get pregnant? Yeah, yeah. I would say be aware. Mm. Be aware of what your options are. Make this a normal part of what you get tested for. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you can have children, you know, and, uh, you know, nothing is wrong with, you know, either your egg count or maybe, you know, um, some of the other, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to try and go into all the, the yeah. scientific uh, language, but go and get yourself checked on a regular basis mm -hmm. is the first thing. The second is, I would say, be open to the process of uh, taking advantage of technology, such as freezing your eggs. Mm -hmm. If you... Never use them, fine. But if you get to a stage where you do need to use them, they're to. there. And yeah. they're younger and fresher because you lose your more fertile eggs yeah. um, faster. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would also say, I think we need more women who are open to donating their eggs. Yeah, We need more women because I think we tend to think of this and assume that we will always use our egg, our, our own, own eggs, eggs anyway. Yeah. And the issue of egg donation and embryo donation is real. Mm. There are some people who just cannot yeah. um, have children um, any other way. And so I would say let's also normalize donating our eggs. And yeah. that's a tough one. It's a really tough it one. It is a tough one. And especially for black people, mm. because those are not issues that we speak about or would be condoned, mm. for lack of a better word, in the greater community but it's because we've we've said it's okay for men to sow their seed. Yeah. And we've never had the conversation about women, right? Yeah. So so it's it's because of that and and until you find a black woman who is trying to conceive and needs donor eggs, mm. you, you don't think of it as an issue. Yeah. But there're actually not enough yeah. people who are donating, who are donating eggs. eggs. Yeah. Especially black women. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> because <laughs> even in my younger days, I can tell you there was not a single day that I thought 
oh, I should donate some eggs. No. It was just never something that crossed my mind. I was happy to donate any other organ, but I never yeah. thought about egg donation. Mm. Um, this podcast, what role would you want it ultimately to play in the lives of women who have either yet to embark on the journey to motherhood, who are currently on the journey, or maybe even those that have given up because too many negative tests, too many, so much disappointment that they, they've run out of the emotional bandwidth to try one more time. What do you want this podcast to do for them in their lives? What I was hoping for when I was going through this was to hear from other people mm-hmm. who had gone through what I was going through um, and to hear from live experiences, not from the doctors, not from the nurses, they, they were helpful, but to hear from live experiences of how other people had navigated uh, the challenges and especially because I was doing it alone. I didn't have someone to go home to and offload and compare notes. Yeah. And I'd have just loved to have had someone I could listen to and whose story I could resonate with. Yeah. That's profound because I think pregnancy and motherhood is, it's such a tough gig, you know, that going through it, even when you have a support system is, is tricky. But when you're going through it alone, it it's, it, it's it takes its toll, mm. you know. And and I'm really happy that you're doing this podcast because it just gives those women something else to, whether it's to log into, something else to read, someone else to listen to, and where they can be like, yeah, I know that pain, or mm. I know that feeling, I know that excitement, I know that anxiety. Mm. Um, it it will make a world of a difference, yeah. and especially. And I keep coming back to an African context because we are in an African context and so many things go unspoken, unsaid. Um, I think this will be such a, a much needed tool to empower women to own their pain, yeah. their disappointments and their triumphs when they mm. eventually they find a solution that actually works for them. Yeah. So well done Thank for you. that. Thank you. But one last question. Okay. Dana and Yaya, what, yeah. do you, what do you want their story to be? One of love. Yeah. They were conceived in absolute love. Mm. They were absolutely wanted and absolutely planned. And they have lit up my life every single day. I have zero regrets. You do it all over again. I do it all over again. And there are days when I've thought of doing it a third time. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't we all? (laughs) (laughs) But but I won't. Um, But yeah, I... I have no regrets. They were the best thing I decided to do. And they are complete. They should never feel a lack for anything. And on that note, I want to say thank you. Thank you, Brent. This podcast is going to be amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks for letting me change the journey. (laughs) You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.